0: Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J-10 initiative. Christ is risen.
1: Indeed, he is risen. Christos vos crece. Christos vos crece. Christos vos Very Cerexi. Right? It is.
0: I can't think of the Melkite one right now. Oh, rats. Bring nope. him in, bring him in. <laughs>
1: Put him oh, on speaker. Oh, hang on. <laughs> Hey, Dad. Hello, Nathan. What you doing? Actually, we're podcasting right now. You're podcasting right now? Yeah, you're on the air. You want to say anything? Yes. Proud to be Catholic and uh, looking forward to the next life, but I don't want to get there too fast. And he's proud to be a Catholic (laughs) where they don't eat meat on Fridays. (laughs) Okay, I'll call you in a bit. Good,
0: good. good, good to hear your voice. Hello, Father Mike. Hello, how are you doing? Hey, yeah, I'm
1: fine, I'm fine. Keep up the good work. You guys are great. You too, thank you. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> that, was that, awesome. was, <laughs> that was Smithers. <laughs> that was Smithers. That was my dad. Smithers, otherwise known as Mang, otherwise known as uh, <laughs> David Frank Gobel. He's got more uh,
0: nicknames than I do.
1: Yep. <laughs> All right. What were we talking? Oh yeah, Melkite one.
0: Yeah, the Mel- the Arab one, and I, I have one Melkite parishioner, Melanie Baker. Shout out, and she's uh, soon to be uh, Allard, but she's engaged. But yeah, she. I ask her every single Sunday what the Melkite one is, and she tells me every single Sunday, and I forget. Now I can't uh, criticize my parishioners. Actually, my little kids—they're so funny. Like I'll tell every single children's homily, you know, I'll do the, I'll do the Slavonic. Os crece. And like two, like three year olds. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. All right, that's the shirt, Slavonic.
1: I'm sweltering. I know.
0: You want me to shut these? It is Handling? hot.
1: Yeah. yeah, we're right in the middle of the, the three o'clock hour, yeah. four o'clock hour, and the sun is beating down right through the window. I want to drink my bourbon in the dark. <laughs>
0: Relative dark, there we go Relative I dark I can still see your uh, mullet from here, so that'll count Alright So, yep.
1: how are you doing fine, Nathan? Not bad um, We are we are back online uh, I was away for a little while As many of my parishioners reminded me um, And um, <laughs> I more or less Tried to respond charitably um, and, um, and now I'm just a couple weeks back And then I leave again Sucka! Hashtag past your life. Hashtag past your life. Yeah. No, hashtag uh, only took seven days of vacation for the first 10 months of my assignment. And then I said, uh, I'm taking my vacation. Yeah. How, how many
0: weeks of vacation do you guys get? We get four. Okay. So do we. Like that? that would be. That would be insane to take it off in a row, but we're allowed to. Like, I know priests that do that, just take a full month off. I
1: did, but the thing was, I I kind of, I kind of cheated a little bit. You know, mm. we had convocation, then I did vacation, then I did, uh, then I did education. Oh, I see. So, yeah. So yeah. we recorded the day I got back, I think. Um, and then I left again for, uh, IPF training and, um, and then, uh, yeah. And then, oh, we had an
0: unusual situation because I had a brain fart and couldn't
1: think of a good topic. So we just true. recorded
0: one, yours only. And then, so anyway, I got a good good topic. They don't need today.
1: to know the inner workings uh, of the beast.
0: It's really sad because so many people give us suggestions, but the suggestions you guys give are ones that like, need to be highly researched.
1: <laughs> true. I, I I ask a number of people about that, and I've gotten some good, good feedback, but um, sometimes if it's not exactly... Where my own prayer or yeah oh, right. study is going, right? Then it's like, well, but I, I think it's a really good question. So I'll have some loaded up for the summer.
0: Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, we had one the uh, one request for just reflect on Psalm one thirty nine, hmm. and I'm like, that's my type of topic actually. Like sure. just you, sp- you spend a holy hour thinking and praying through one psalm or one scripture verse or something like that. And uh, that was that was Trevor Lontaine and uh, I think I'll do that one. Yeah, so not today, but. Not another today. Time.
1: Not today. Once no. I actually once I actually put <laughs> in the work into it. We would like to hear more about this just at another time. Yeah, so so keep your hopes up.
0: Yeah. I mean I have so I need to do the one on regret. I need to do a couple of the ones I have halfway researched. So you're regretting oh, not doing I'm the regretting podcast. Regretting not on doing the one on regret. It's been like I months since as I asked for feedback on that one. But oh. ah, anyway.
1: Did yep. you hear that? Yeah, it sounded yeah, like it sounded like Pac-Man. Beep, beep, beep. Hey, can you guys let us know if our audio quality is going crazy? Somebody told me that they have a Jeep Wrangler, like with the top uh like off, you know, like kind of like a Barbie mobile. One of those power wheels. Um uh <laughs> <laughs> this is from Sarah, uh Rick and Sarah from my parish. And she said that the the, the Sometimes the the sound goes down and now then it goes up. So like she'll have it super quiet in her car and then all of a sudden it's like blaring. Yeah. And she doesn't know if it's her like, you know, Jeep Wrangler, pow pow power wheels or if it's her uh <laughs> if it's the podcast. I sound like I'm like speaking through like a auto tune. Right you do. Now. Do I sound like that too?
0: Kind of. I mean, yeah. yeah. Anyway.
1: Wow, that's weird. Yeah, it could be doing it right now, which would be Yeah, uh, ironic, but I don't know if that's our anyway. It might be our uh,
0: soundboard or the computer. I don't know. I
1: just and
0: actually, to I'm not talking. I need to talk right into the mic. Okay. We should get on the topic then. Um, so. What you um, want to
1: do? A podcast topic. So, 24 carats of nuggets of wisdom in the air. I'm just doing yeah, the auto-tune. Uh, okay. Let's see if it. Yeah.
0: I, I do sound auto-tuned. That's yeah. weird. Okay, I'm going to speak right into the mic, and I'm also on a little bit of delay, and I'm hearing a little bit of a rag echo. Anyway, well, God's will be done. All right. So, uh, I am going on pilgrimage to Fatima in late September, early October. Nice. Anybody who wants to go with us, Leadaro.com Shameless plug. Forward slash pilgrimage. And I don't know much. I'm Byzantine. I don't know much about this whole Fatima thing, so I'm doing some research, obviously, because I'm going to be the chaplain for the trip. And I want to make sure that I can give good information and provide a good prayer atmosphere along with everything else that's going on.
1: You do know that Mary appeared to the world. She didn't appear just to the Roman church.
0: Right. This is
1: creeping me out. It sounds like like old school or whatever when he gets shot with the tranquilizer Uh, dart. It's like,
0: (laughs) you're crazy, man. Are you hearing your voice like one half a second after you say it? Uh
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it, but you're crazy. I'm yeah, here, I, I am now, too. Okay.
0: Uh, what? GarageBand Band? Normal mics?
1: You re you redid it?
0: I don't know. I. I it sounds like we're stoned, but you I'm, know what? I, I actually
1: have... think take off the headphones and we'll just okay. talk. Okay. Twenty four karat magic. Well, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, that. That's a lot I kind
0: of like it. Okay. Anyway, we're we're off headphones, so now, now you can really tell us if we're messing things <laughs> yeah,
1: up. Yeah, you could tell <laughs> us later. <laughs>
0: Anyway, we'll do what we can with it. So, uh, all right, you're going so, to Fatima. I'm going to Fatima. Our lady appeared
1: to the world, our lady... not just to the.
0: Yeah, but the things she said were specifically Roman. She's told because them to pray the rosary bad. every day. We're right. Bad. We and need it's obviously to not chastised. a rule for Byzantine Catholics. who don't have the rosary. Well, we do. It's a. I mean, it's just not. It's not encouraged in the same way. We have our own Marian prayers, obviously. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm. This is. I'm going to try Fatima because I'm obviously going on the trip. Gonna. Byzantinize it a little bit. I'm gonna put my headphones back on because I kind of like the, uh, I kind of like the effect.
1: Seriously, <laughs> I do.
0: I don't know why. It's kind of cool. Okay. Um, oh. so, so, 1917.
1: Oh, we're doing Fatima. Yeah. All right, give it to. So me.
0: So we're we're doing Fatima, and then I want to do a little bit of a reflection upon why I'm starting to like Fatima so much too. All right. So in 1917. In the spring of 1916, these three little kiddos... Who are now named, saints? Two of them are really saints.
1: What? One of them got, like, booted out?
0: No, one of them just died too recently. Oh. So the, the two... Um, sorry, where's my notes? Notes, notes, notes. People are, people are yelling their names into the... Uh, it's Jacinta... So Jacinta is Lucia. one of the... So Lucia Santos is the... <laughs> <laughs> Lucia Santos is the one and her cousins, Jacinta and Frisco, Francisco Marto.
1: Francisco. Yes. That's so, fun uh, to say.
0: Francisco. So Jacinta and Francisco were told by Mary that they were going to die young, and they did. They died like a year later wow. of, of the plague that was was the flu that was rampaging the world at that time. Um, Lucia lived until she was like 94. It's Lucia. <laughs> okay I'll, I'll believe you because you're the roman catholic one you're the
1: one who corrected me lucia, on how i well, said
0: i'm it. just that there's an accent over the u in lucia so i'm trying to you accent the person okay okay lucia
1: no no no. you said that just correct any okay. cool dude
0: i don't know this is like obviously we 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 do this on purpose the people contact us and correct our our pronunciation of everything all right all right. Um, see, now you have the headphones on, too. You're enjoying the uh, the feedback. All right. So we had these uh, three little kids, um, very young, between like 8 and 11. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about this too much because you can look it up. Go to EWTN, and they have this beautiful, wonderful entire page on the 100th anniversary of nice. Fatima. But. And in 1916, these three little kids, shepherds, were walking in a grove near their home city of Fatima, and an angel began appearing to them. And the angel came, calling himself an angel of peace, taught them a few prayers, taught them how to suffer, and asked them to spend some time in adoration. Mm -hmm. So those are the main things. Here's some prayers. Here's how to suffer well. When you are suffering and here and encouraging them to spend some time in adoration. Um, Then in May of 2017, on May 13th, um, Mary appeared to them, basically asked them to devote themselves to the Holy Trinity and to play the rosary every day. Those were just the the main messages that Mary had for them. Um, Appeared to them a few more times on the 13th of the month and then proclaimed that there would be a miracle that would be seen by everyone who was there on October 13th. So on October 13th, um, many people gathered around. Now, between these two times, between May and October, um, there was a lot of, they actually got thrown in jail, these three little kids, because they were seen by the incoming secular government as being too political. So there was a, obviously the government the government didn't want them talking about religion the mother of god was obviously part of religion um so they threw them in jail kept them and started questioning them and actually their parents were kind of like maybe if they admit that they're lying this won't be such a big tumult and a big deal um you know obviously anybody that is doing anything extraordinary is going to be persecuted by the devil and in this case persecuted by government as well um so um, they kept on ha- and that, that on October thirteenth was the miracle of the sun we 've all heard of the miracle of the sun the miracle of the sun was um, everybody thousands of people gathered because they knew a miracle was coming, something that was going to make mm-hmm. the 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 apparitions and make mary 's presence obvious to to almost everyone. Um, they saw the sun kind of shoot out very colorful rays, start spinning, and it had been raining before that. The sun came kind of visibly spinning towards the earth, turned around and went back again. They call it the, the dancing of the sun. And it was um, it had rained, everybody was soaking wet, and everything became dry. Now, oh. different people, believers and non-believers that were there, saw different aspects of this. So some people saw all everything I just described. Some people only saw the the kind of the multicolored rays of the sun. Other people experienced, of, everybody experienced the drying of the earth and the drying of their clothes, but um, not everybody experienced all parts of this. And there were some non-believers and some believers even who didn't experience any of it. Huh. So it was a public thing, but it was also very private. Um, So all the other things that you hear about Fatima, uh, the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, um, the three secrets, the first Saturday's devotions, all of those were later revelations from the mother of God to Lucia, Lucia, (laughs) I believe you, who became a, a nun. Uh-huh. And so, in in her life as a nun, she continued to have apparitions, even, even when she was getting older. So
1: only two of the kids died young.
0: Two of the kids died young. Their brother and sister.
1: And then the sister.
0: Yeah. So Lucia, who just yeah.
1: passed away. Yeah. Sure. She's not the saint. Correct. Francisco and and Jacinta, Jacinta
0: are the saints. They were the uh, the brother and sister, and they were told they were going to die young, and 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 uh, Lucy was told that she was going to live longer, mm. and so it obviously worked out as it was. You know, there's all this sociopolitical stuff because of Russia, and that's of course when communism was was getting big, the Bolsheviks, etc. So there was a lot of sociopolitical tension. There was a loss of obviously spiritual goodness that was happening to this. Um, so. What I really want to focus on, though, again, all that stuff you can look up, you can find even better information than I gave. Um, the three secrets, by the way, that were given to uh, Lucia later on. Um, the first, see, you always hear about the third secret and the uh, kind of the tension there. Um, the first secret was a vision of hell that all three children experienced. God gave them a kind of a momentary vision of what hell looked like. And then Mary pretty much said, You know, I'm going to take you to heaven, but I just wanted you to see what, what hell looks like. And they were given this vision of hell that was. I mean, you know, pools of fire and and people screaming, and they looked like animals and things like this. Um, You can read all about that if you want. Uh, The second one was that Russia needs to be consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Um, That was done, in a sense, by two different popes, by Pius XII and by John Paul II. It
1: was done. It was done. She
0: says it was done. (laughs)
1: Lucia
0: says it was done.
1: Yeah, some people say, well, the reason why we have so much whatever is because— we didn't actually do this. It's right. like, no, it was done.
0: There are some people that have kind of divided their, devoted their entire ministry to our lady of Fatima. that say it was not done, but John Paul said it was done. Lucia said it was done. I'll believe them. You know, yeah. um, the third secret was a Pope. So they had a vision of a Pope and a bunch of bishops and lay people, Christians of religious walking up a hill towards a cross And they were all gunned down, suffered immensely and gunned down. And the the uh, the one bishop, um, I don't think it, they said it was the pope. It was a bishop dressed in white, which people have interpreted as, as the pope. Uh-huh. Um, so John Paul said that that was part of that secret it was fulfilled in the assassination attempt that he yep. underwent in the 80s. Um, and then actually Pope Benedict XVI elaborated on it and said that it also means the current suffering of the church. And he, and he explained that in the context of the victims of the clergy sex abuse. So, wow. you know, the bishops and the priests and, and, and the, the, of course, the children involved, the victims of this are, are, are the yeah. ongoing suffering church um, that is kind of moving towards the cross and huh. suffering in the meantime. So, that's what Benedict XVI said, which is a very condemning, obviously, aspect for those clergy who were involved that they, they're making the church and those in the church suffer so much yeah. that it would be part of that, that third secret of the immense vision of the suffering.
1: When did that secret get revealed? The third secret? That was
0: revealed, I believe, in the 40s. Oh, so the, the,
1: I thought there was another secret that...
0: No, it's just the third secret, although I might be wrong about that. Um, I don't know. So it was. It might have even been like the 80s or something. It might have uh-huh. been even John Ball who did it. Um, I apologize if, if I got that wrong. Anyway, look it up. Go to EWTN. They have a great exclusive of the specifics of it. So that's why I didn't want to do a whole thing, just podcast explaining it, because it's so easy to look up and to find all the information. Um, but... In 1930, the apparitions were declared worthy of belief. And in other words, as we know, any... There's no new revelation after the death of the last apostle. So yeah. after John the Evangelist's death, there is no new revelation. Of course, the church has tepings, teachings, their dogmas, etc., things like that. But they all relate back to the the complete revelation of God in Jesus Christ and in those who witnessed his death and his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? This echo might actually make me talk slower. <laughs> That might be a good thing. Go. Anyway, um, so I want to do a little bit of reflection on that that declaration that the apparitions were worthy of belief. Uh-huh. You know, there's this, um, obviously nowadays there's tension, is Medjugorje approved? We use this word approved. Right. Are, are, are various apparitions approved by the church? And this is the declaration making it, quote, worthy of belief that means that it was approved and, and worthy of some sort of spiritual help, according to private revelation, if you want to believe it and focus it's, on it. it.
1: It's helpful towards, it will guide you rightly towards salvation. Exactly. But that's part of the issue with you know, Fatima and the difference between that and like Medjugorje is that Fatima's revelations ended yep. and then later they approved them. Right. As of right now, the ongoing the revelations the supposed purported, yeah, purported yeah. revelations at Medjugorje are still going on. Right. So you can't really say uh that it is or it isn't yet. Right. And they haven't. Right. They they've actually said that I think the bishop of the local diocese in Medjugorje yeah. said that as of right now we're not we're not telling people that this is
0: they're not even encouraging people to go to medjugorje anymore but i went there myself um back when i was in college i had a very powerful prayer experience there that does not mean that the apparitions are legit um apparitions are legit it just means that i had a prayerful experience there so yeah even if they're not true god can still work through a place like that of course Mm -hmm. and if that's the case then that's what happened I actually had kind of a a process of discernment of celibacy there and of the beauty of humility. Uh, Maybe I'll talk about that another time. But anyway, so this fact that it's worthy of belief... Um, in my experience, and this just may be because of the most vocal people, when it comes to Fatima or really any Marian apparition, there tends to be people that are like so obsessed with it that they know the words and the concepts and the content of the apparitions more than they know the scriptures. You know, mm-hmm. more than they know the traditions of the church. Yep. That's obviously dangerous. I mean, I know people that that every year when I preach on like the Dormition of the Mother of God and the Byzantine Catholic teaching is that she died, she died, and her soul was taken by our Lord, her body was put in the ground. They pulled out her body later on so that Thomas could see it because he wasn't there for the, quote, funeral, whatever it was, and the body wasn't there. So her body was assumed into heaven, but after she died, obviously the Roman Catholic teaching is, is we don't know. She either died or at the moment of her death, without dying, was assumed body and soul in heaven. Um, at
1: the end of her earthly life. Exactly. That's what it says.
0: At the end of her earthly life. So um, there's different ways of interpreting that. You can believe either one. Um, also, when it comes well, to... When you
1: preach on that, people are like Fatima. Well,
0: it, exactly. Well, they not, not necessarily Fatima, but other private revelations that are not approved that say, you know, Mary did not die. Hmm. And so... Again, these are private revelations, and people will get mad at me and say that I'm a bad priest just because I same thing with like Joseph's kids. You know, the Byzantine tradition, based You're on bad. the Proto Evangelium of Saint James, an ancient, ancient second century document, says that Jesus' brothers and sisters in the Bible were Joseph's children from a previous marriage. Look up the Proto Evangelium of Saint James, and you'll find it there. And there's obviously. <laughs> private revelation that says that Joseph was pure There's even saints that say Joseph had been celibate and was still a virgin. Again, there's different ways of looking at this. The Church has not said one over the other. Right. So that, that's the important thing to you know about these things. But in the Byzantine tradition, these things come from ancient documents, but they are just traditions. They're obviously not the Scriptures. They don't, you don't have to believe them. And that's how these apparitions are. You do not have to believe them. So in my experience, some many people obsess over the apparitions because they're kind of mystical and secret and it's kind of, you feel like you know something most people don't, which is you need to be very careful with that. We're not Gnostics. We don't have some secret knowledge as Christians. Everything that is hidden will be brought to the light. Um, but then the other side, there's people that completely dismiss these, even the the ones that have been called valid and approved, the ones that are called worthy of belief, dismiss them as just, you know, oh, that just kind of distracts from the teachings of the church and the work of the Holy Spirit, hmm. you know. There's very few people, maybe it's just because they're not that vocal, that are somewhere in the middle. And I think that's obviously where we need to be about things like pilgrimages to Fatima, the apparitions, you know, even considering what the secrets mean and how I might alter my behavior based upon those secrets. Um, So. The, the image that came to mind when I was thinking about why am I going to Fatima? Why am I going to this pilgrimage? Uh, why is that even something worthy of time and money and effort? Um, and the thing that came to mind was kind of this attitude that Chesterton is so good at explaining that some of the most beautiful things are the things that are completely unnecessary. Mm. So he writes, one of my favorite passages from him is it about um, the difference between an umbrella and a walking stick. So he says, people always forget their umbrellas everywhere, but people rarely forget their walking stick. And again, not. Not in my experience, but that's how he explains it. He says people forget their umbrellas because umbrellas are necessary, and therefore they're completely utilitarian, and therefore there's something in our humanity that almost wants to lose them because of the sense of adventure and zeal and awe that we have. Like, the things that are necessary, I could do or do without. He says walking sticks are are absolutely unnecessary. In other words, they're just there to be helpful. People decorate them. It's kind of a a fun thing to have in his experience. So he says people almost never lose walking sticks because if you lost it, it really wouldn't matter. It wouldn't alter your life too much. And in kind of the Chestertonian love of paradox, love of awe, love of mystery, we cling to and hold to the things that are unnecessary because of their beauty and their non-utilitarian in nature more than we cling to the things we actually need Mm. we we desire beauty and beauty is always in a sense unnecessary and so we cling to it we love it we we want to have more of it in our lives that's why you're going to be much more prone to lose an umbrella that is necessary in certain circumstances than you are going to lose a walking stick that is completely unnecessary so we we desire it more
1: well it's funny because father brian larkin was saying, you know, we're in the 100th anniversary of Fatima, and, you know, like th- that's this year. Yep. But it's also the 500th anniversary of the Reformation of ah, the, you know, yeah. 90, 95 theses or whatever. Yeah. And it's like one of them is, in a way, utilitarian, right? I think. And the other one is just gross, uh, uh, a gross liberal gift of God, not gross in the sense of like yuck, but like you know, it's a huge free gift of God. So that's
0: Fatima, obviously. That's Fatima, yeah.
1: yeah I think you know, the, yeah, God does Jesus doesn't have He's given us everything in the scriptures and in the tradition, as you were saying, right? But for His mother to come and reveal herself. And always point back to Jesus and say, This is actually going to aid you in um in serving him. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just that's just motherly care. You yeah. Know? That that and that's exactly my point. That that's
0: why I think apparitions are such a beautiful thing. And honestly, I don't even want to ever experience an apparition because I like one of my biggest draws when I was young to celibacy was that it was impossible. And yet there were some people that did it so well. So if all of a sudden somebody said, Oh, here is the biological, purely scientific, purely rational reason why you can live your life as a happy celibate, not having a wife and kids, yeah. that it would obviously lose its interest to me. I would, I would They'll say. You'll
1: never find that, by the way
0: right right they won't they won't they will never find
1: I, the biological reason yeah
0: that they won't and and that, that's a beautiful thing that's why it's so attractive to me but there's if, if all of a sudden the life i was living made sense it would be just boring I, w- I wouldn't really want to live it anymore i mean i would obviously have made a promise but um you know there there's something about okay why would you go on a pilgrimage why would there be apparitions and why do i not want an apparition For me, because it makes the faith too provable. Like if I've had this experience, oh, the mother of God appears to me. It's like that's Mm -hmm. just too obvious. Like I I desire a faith that cannot be proven. I desire something that is mysterious and full of awe. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what makes it exciting for me. That's what on a human level, that's why I wake up every morning and say, I want to live life of a priest. I want to Have a helping profession that actually helps people spiritually. And it's obviously not me doing it. I can't practice to be a good priest. I can't work on being a good priest. It's like I remain in Christ. I live this vocation as best I can. And then he makes me a good priest. He does the work and he does it through me. And that makes it so attractive to me that an apparition would just be too obvious. Like, oh, well, I've, I've had faith that you're there the whole time, but now all of a sudden I see with my physical eyes, it would in a sense ruin the – for me, the awe of it. Obviously, every personality is different, and Fatima was not only a gift to the three little kids, but it was also a gift to the whole world, obviously.
1: Right. Well, I mean the – all of the people who received – at least that I know of – all the people that have received these apparitions on behalf of the whole church – have been declared saints, I yeah. think. St. Juan Diego, St. Bernadette, St. Well, I guess Lucia still has yeah. some ways to go, but the other two. <laughs> but it's not because they received the apparitions that they were saints. Right. Um, you know, just because you were to receive something like that wouldn't necessarily mean, like, well, great, now I know everything. You know, like you would still right. have to respond to it. You know, that's the freedom that God leaves us with, but he uses these, uh, these vessels that are actually capable of receiving him, the pure of heart, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God and our lady, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I mean, St. Juan Diego, humble, poor, yeah, kind, um, St. Bernadette peasant, you know, yeah. these people are shepherds, you know, there's something about that. You're not going to get you're not going to get the apparition if you're, you know, like I don't know, checking Facebook or something. Like yeah. that.
0: Well, you, you know, there there was one commentator who pretty much said the Martha kids, Jacinta and um what's his name? What? Francisco. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Such a bad. Um anyway, they, they 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 were not really good kids. Like oh, when wow. when the Our Lady came to them, it was kind of like I'm here to lead you closer to myself because you need some help you know and so obviously they, they were young i mean they had the potential there but this was like kind of uh, an explicit infusion of grace that obviously they had to respond to that's what salvation is but they they did respond that's the point point. and now they're acknowledged saints mm-hmm. because our our lord gave them this as a gift that was helpful to their salvation um but when it comes to apparitions that's one of the reasons why i think they're so beautiful is because they are completely unnecessary there's like like you said it's just it's an overwhelming grace of god given um in an unnecessarily prodigal way yes you know the prodigal son is called yeah. prodigal cuz he was excessive prodigal does not mean returning might when i was a kid i used to think prodigal meant returning it means excessive um you know this was an excessive prodigal moment of god's grace and to those children, to Portugal, to the region, to the world. Um so I, I found some uh some cool quotes as I was kind of trying to get my words together for what it might mean to appreciate apparitions like this and pilgrimages like this. Because pilgrimages are unnecessary too. This is why, you know, uh Saint Francis of Assisi He went to the Holy Land, he saw Bethlehem, realized that the the, the place where Christ was born was a point of pilgrimage for the wealthy. Not everybody, especially those in Italy, could make a pilgrimage to Bethlehem. So he invented the Christmas creche that every parish would have, every home could have. So people did not need to make the pilgrimage to Bethlehem because they could make the pilgrimage to their parish church or could have it in their home. Same thing with the Stations of the Cross— Obviously, the Stations of the Cross in Jerusalem were a pilgrimage. You go on pilgrimage for the place that Christ went. St. Francis said, how do I make this accessible to the poor? So he put it in every parish, you know, and now... Every Roman Catholic Church has the Stations of the Cross so that you don't need to go to Jerusalem. You know, you don't even need to do that, though. The whole point of pilgrimage is to reflect upon the pilgrims of our life. We are all pilgrims moving towards salvation, towards heaven, towards theosis. So these other pilgrimages, whether it's Stations of the Cross, Christmas creche, pilgrimages to Camino de Santiago, to Rome, to Jerusalem, to Constantinople, whatever these might be, they're all there to help us in our pilgrimage of salvation and therefore are completely nes- unnecessary. Therefore in my mind, are beautiful should be sought out and should be participated in. Not because anybody's telling me to do it, but because it informs my pilgrimage of life and holiness. And it's just something that because it's unnecessary in a sense, makes it more beautiful mm-hmm. in a very chestertonian way. So um, one author I read, a guy I had never heard of before Um, His name is Corey Poff, P-O-F-F. I think he's a a Protestant writer because he quotes a couple uh, Episcopal uh, priests. But anyway, he says, um, I remember reading H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds as a boy and feeling both intrigued and disgusted by the fact that the Martians don't really eat meals. They suck up blood through tubes. From a utilitarian perspective, this food as fuel and nothing more approach makes a great deal of sense. Frankly, though, God's world is a utilitarian's nightmare. Like the way that God loves us makes no sense. It is all excessive. It's all prodigal and it's all overwhelming grace and overflowing grace. So, you know, I have one atheist friend that I see every week and we debate the existence of god every week and i do not understand how he's not more attractive to the reality of god because all he's attracted to it seems is what is completely definable by the five senses and analysis you know, um, being able to be analyzed by science you know that's just seems so boring to me um he quotes anyway this Robert Ferrar Capone, who is a Episcopal priest, and I read a bit about him, and I disagree with a lot of what he believes and teaches, but he had some good quotes um, regarding the same thing. I think I think they're beautiful, and they explain kind of the unnecessary nature of apparitions of pilgrimage and much of what God does in our life. He says, "Man invented cooking before he thought of nutrition. To be sure, food keeps us alive." But that is only its smallest and most temporary work. Its eternal purpose is to furnish our sensibilities against the day when we shall sit down at the heavenly banquet and see how gracious the Lord is. Nourishment is necessary only for a while, while we shall need forever its taste. He goes on to say. Food is the daily sacrament of unnecessary goodness, ordained for continual remembrance that the world will always be more delicious than it is useful. Necessity is the mother only of cliches. It takes playfulness to make poetry. Hmm. And finally, one more. In a general way, we can see that God made the world out of joy. He didn't need it. He just thought it was a good thing. Each thing at every moment becomes the delight of his hand, the apple of his eye. The bloom of yeast lies upon the grape skins year after year because he likes it. Sugar breaks down to ethanol and carbon dioxide is a dependable process because every September he says, that was nice, do it again. He's referring to alcohol. Mm. So yeast with sugar breaks down to become alcohol and, and, and carbon dioxide. That's what makes beer. So he's and and our whiskey that we're drinking right now, you know, so that there's something beautiful about alcohol. There's just an excessive grace of God. And, um, you know, God made it because he wanted to, not because he needed, you know, there's something beautiful about God in that way. And there's something, therefore, beautiful about anything excessive that he does, which is in one sense is everything, but another sense is the way that the Holy Spirit continues to work in the church after the death of John. So that's all necessary for salvation. Mm -hmm. That's all necessary to be believed. But everything after that is not necessary. And therefore, if considered correctly, the devil is trying to affect it negatively, but if considered correctly is something excessive and prodigal and beautiful and therefore worthy of attention. And as the, uh, as the, uh, Holy Father said, 1930, like Fatima worthy of belief.
1: Yeah. It's like architecture or something like that, or painting or, Mm -hmm. you know, any art. Yeah. It's like, it's not necessary, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's delightful. So I think there is a, there is a, an art to, uh, Yeah to manifestations of God's of God's presence. You know, mountains are mm-hmm. not necessary. Um, but he created the world in such a way that we would have them. So, yeah. You know, what is this quote? Beer is we have beer. So let us enjoy it or something like that. Yeah,
0: Was that Chesterton?
1: I think it's Augustine. Oh, I don't know.
0: Nice. Yeah. There God was made, a,
1: maybe it is Chesterton. God made, God made beer. So let us enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I, I read an article in researching for this podcast that pretty much said the the, the top ten quotes people think everyone trusts in actually are not. So, all right, now I'm stuttering because of the echo in this Damn
1: mic. Stuttering. All right, well, and when is the uh, deadline for your?
0: Um, it might have already passed, but i'm gonna I'm gonna call on uh if you still want to go on pilgrimage to uh Spain and Portugal we're gonna walk the Camino for one day we're gonna see where Teresa Avila was. We're obviously going to go to Fatima for the hundredth anniversary. I'll be much more eloquent about what Fatima is and how beautiful it is then. um you can go to leadro dot com and uh forward slash pilgrimage. And, uh, join us on that. It's going to be epic and awesome. So mm-hmm.
1: come if you can. All right. Well done. Thank you. Enjoy it. <clears throat> we'll have, there are plenty of Fatima events going on in your local parish. Community. Yes. So, um, Archbishop, Archbishop Aquila, that was close. Uh, Archbishop Aquila, <laughs> almost called him by my old bishop's name, uh, is going to consecrate our whole diocese to our lady of fatima in october yep um and then so there are different ways that you can get involved may 13th was the first apparition uh and then that runs through october so from now until october there'll be different events so check it out all right shout outs Uh, Fathers Nathan and Michael I can honestly say that I never thought I would Ever send a care package Consisting of whiskey and sour patch Kids especially when they will be consumed Together To each his own dot 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 I think that's I agree I'm not a big fan of them together Um, I do want to thank you all For the podcast I stumbled on it about five Years ago and very quickly caught up On the past past podcast I've been a loyal listener ever since It's been key to our understanding of the faith. I could never find answers to why we do certain things until the podcast. I especially enjoy the topics around social issues and the parts of the Mass. I grew up to Mass most Sundays, but I never understood most of it and, as a result, never felt connected to it. This new understanding came at a critical time. As my kids were starting Catholic school, I now have knowledge to discuss what they were listening at in school. Um, This is from... Uh The Michelle sounds Grabczak sounds business. G R A B C Z A K, Grabsack. That's how somebody would say. It. It's probably Grabch Grabczak. Gronski would kill me if I mispronounced that. <laughs> so um, this is the this is the second note she's saying. She she sent. I was working in Lexington, Kentucky in 96 when Kentucky won the NCAA championship. The Makers Mark Distillery is in a small town near Lexington, so they made these commemorative bottles. Since I was living there at the time, I felt obliged to own one. Not being a Kentucky fan, she attended Purdue University, Boiler rope or, or a Risky Drinker. This bottle has never been opened since what? 1996. Um, I have no idea if it's any good, but it's been stored in the dark back corner of the cabinet so there is hope uh, so when Father John and Father Mike and uh, well I guess that they're the only two when they get back we will uh, we will open it to their honor nice. so, um, to Morgan and Michelle their kids um, thank you so much and her husband's name is ooh, I don't know Ted I'll say it's Ted To Ted (laughs) Grabchak, I don't know. All right, thank you so much. We will let you know if it's like rank.
0: (laughs) Oh, the Joseph, Joseph, Beppo. All right. Um, Shout out uh, to Dieter McGovern, who went on Leah and my first pilgrimage to Rome. Uh, I think she was kind of the favorite pilgrim of almost everybody and uh, I can see why Uh, but she also sent us gifts and she is so thoughtful that she sent gifts to the Rome guys she sent gifts to us and 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 gifts to the behind the scenes people so um, Becca, brother Tim, Mike, etc
1: the hard part is they're not in the same town so we'll have to figure out how to send it to them
0: or are we going to just consume them in their honor? Yeah, and be and like, hey, they that. sent
1: you taffy, which we ate. <laughs>
0: so uh, thank you, Deidre. I appreciate it immensely. Also, another shout out to whoever sent us the Lord of the World books. We got a package that was just four books of Lord of the World. I read Lord of the World. I loved it. Now I have you guys no idea about
1: to. it. Yeah. I've never heard of it. Oh, Is it's Is that amazing. the one that Pope Francis like? Pope Francis it and an Pope
0: one. Benedict both recommend huh. it. It's by uh, Robert Hugh Benson, a Anglican. He was the son of the Archbishop of Canterbury, oh. and then he became an Anglican priest, and then converted to Catholicism. Bam! Yeah, and then he. Uh, anyway, this book's amazing, and I'm. I read it, and like the last the last couple chapters, if you know the old Latin benediction prayers, it'll blow your mind. Like I had to look them up because he pretty much takes like Exposition and Benediction in the old Latin prayers and makes kind of the apocalypse happening in the context of adoration and benediction yeah it it blew my mind it was an amazing book so lord of the world robert hugh benson whoever sent us those books probably passive aggressive way of wanting us to read a new podcast on it but (laughs) since i've already finished it i'm
1: good so um i'm in trouble with uh, a former formator at the seminary uh father curtis dwyer who is now a chaplain in the united states naval uh, service? United States Naval? What? United States Navy. Okay. Anyways, um, I've had a little bourbon tonight. Uh, so, Father Curtis Dwyer uh, emailed me a long time ago. And I it, it's in my email box. And it just got buried and buried and buried and buried. And then... Uh, actually I saw him at a funeral I think And he's like hey can you give a shout out to these people And I was like yeah sure I'll do it And then I didn't so He sent me a follow up email saying <laughs> You never did what you said you were going to And I was like and uh, I will now listens. So to Lieutenant Eddie and Olivia Bardella Lieutenant Eddie and Olivia Bardella um, Yeah Go Navy Beat Army um, the, uh, you, you have your shout out? I I have no idea who you are. You sound like wonderful people. Thank you for your service to our country, to our God, to our families, and to all of that we hold sacred here in America. I'm always really honored when we have military people listen. It
0: just kind of gives us a certain authenticity um, because very successful, strong people care
1: about what we say. You are listening. speaking slower because of the because of the headphones.
0: Well, maybe we just do this all the time then. I guess. Because I finally had like one rage email from somebody saying that they just had to stop listening because I talked too fast.
1: Aww. Well, whatever. So, um, I'm to but thank down. you, Father Dwyer. You have been a very good uh, helper in my formation. So nice. Um, I'm very proud to be a priest with you. All right, folks, we are coming up on the hour mark and it's time to sign off.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening, y'all. Appreciate it. Sorry if this is really wacky River voices crazy. podcast. I guess we'll find out. Sorry, Becca, if you're listening that it was like this, we'll try to figure out what's wrong before we do the next one.
1: Sorry, you're taffy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> com pilgrimage. If you want to go on the pilgrimage, please let us know quickly. And uh, Catholic catholicstuff Podcast.org, Catholic Stuff at Gmail, because at Gmail. Man, this, this is really the best myth i Yep. Okay. iTunes. Love y'all. Bye.
1: Check it out. Laters.